Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Scott Richmond and Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie, good morning. Today we have some special programming. As many of our listeners know, uh, John Engen, long-term mayor of Missoula, died on August 15th. And we were lucky enough over the past uh, six years or so to have him on our show many times as a guest. And we're going to use the next couple of weeks to share with our listeners again the comments, thoughts, and uh, life of uh, John Engen. Good morning, Arnie Sherman. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm pretty excited about being here. We have Mayor John Engen joining us. Yes, we do. And there's so much going on in our little town. Remember that song by, was it uh, Paul Simon, Our Little Town? Right. There's so much going on here that uh, we have to get the mayor in here to get briefed and up to speed on what's happening. It's tough living and working in a small town because you're under a microscope. The mayor has been under a microscope. There have been, as you know, a long article in the paper a week or so ago about him going into alcohol rehab and his bouts with depression. That kind of thing in a big city is is a little bit easier to sort of blend into things. When you're in a town of 70,000 and you've, you know, confessed and, you know, publicly like that, everybody is kind of watching it's you. big news in a small town. It's huge news in a small town. And uh, we have the mayor here today, and we're, hopefully he's not going to have the same reaction to uh, to our questions, but there's a lot of issues to talk about. You know, we want you know we had him on, uh, you know, maybe a year ago almost now, and yeah. we talked about Montana water, excuse me, mountain water, and Missoula mercantile, and now there are many more issues, including probably potholes. Yeah, you know, the winter's been rough here, and everybody's grumbling about why their streets haven't been cleaned and why there are potholes. And, well, look, if you look at social media and you see the response to the article in the Missoulian with the mayor, a lot of the content you see is about potholes, the bridge, taxes. I mean, these are pressing issues. Right, and it affects people every single day. Absolutely. So we'll have John in here, the mayor, and we'll... Uh, we'll We'll press him on these issues. And I like John because this is not a New York Times thing. He's not barring us, okay? <laughs> he's not He's not barring us. The he's mayor, got us here. He's not the barring us. He's walking in right now and getting himself settled. And when we come back from the break, we'll be plummeting him with questions. You are listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGV. All right, Arnie, we're back. We're back with Mayor John Egan, our mayor here in Missoula, Montana, since uh, 2006. Up for re-election uh, this year? Correct, in yeah. November of this year? John, how you doing? I am well. Thank you, Arnie. Great to be here. You know, we were just talking before you came in the room that it's tough being under a microscope in a small town. You know, all mayors, all public officials have, to some degree, you know, that kind of accountability. But in a place like this where you know everybody's name, I've seen you in action. You can't walk through Albertsons without being stopped nine times. And it's not just people stopping you saying, hi, John. It's people stopping you saying, why do I have potholes on my street? And when the hell is the snow going to be picked up? And why isn't that 
you know, a passenger bridge over Reserve Street working. And I mean, you get hit. You must get hit twenty times a day by the average constituent of yours asking you those questions. So you know, I I operate with a simple rule of thumb: when you beg for a job, you do not complain about it, right? <laughs> right. Yes. So I mean, that's all. That's part and parcel of what I do. And frankly, I wouldn't have it any other way. I like to be. I, I like to be accountable, and I like to know what's on folks' minds, which is why I do my own grocery shopping. That's and why you're running for re-election. It is, yeah. This is a this is a great city to be mayor of, um, and uh, yeah, I we we have some work to do, um, but we've got a great crew who wants to do it. We've got a great community pushing in the right direction. So let me get the most important issue yes. out of the way: potholes. Yes. Okay. It's winter here every year. Turns out. Turns out every year. And every year we end up with potholes in the street and we end up with ice and snow on our side streets. Yes. Right? And maybe this year more than last year, for example. And that infuriates people. The mayor of Chicago got thrown out of office one year. Michael Belandic got kicked out of office because he couldn't fix potholes. And Jane Byrne, who succeeded him, made that her number one campaign issue. So you know it's in people's minds and they approach you. So really... What is the situation here, and, and, and what can we do to improve it, if anything? So, so we actually do pay considerable attention to potholes. We have a pothole hotline. We have a patching truck that's been out um, this week uh, on double shifts filling those holes. So the challenge here is, um, as you suggest, there's winter, and it's a thing. And we've actually been sort of fortunate this year. So... Uh, we had pothole again, probably in <laughs> probably in 2012 ish something like that. It was a school bus. Yes, I mean it was a horrible. <laughs> so potholes are all about freeze thaw cycles, right? And we had a gajillion freeze thaw cycles that year. And you, I mean, potholes were terrible. They're not great this year, mm-hmm. um, but um, but but they're not as bad as they've been. The fact of the matter is, we are always going to have them. Right. So. What we do is our best. Um, a couple of things are at play. One is uh, we were we were just in Helena on Wednesday uh, before um, the House Transportation Committee uh, lobbying for uh, an increase in the fuel tax, a tax that has not been increased since 1993. And what's your, what do you think a reasonable increase in that is? I've heard they're talking about 8%. eight percent. Well, it's eight pennies. Eight, eight pennies a gallon. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and for us, that's better than a million bucks a year. And that goes a long way in terms of maintaining streets. And this is really about maintenance. Um, the other piece that we're engaging in is a full street inventory to understand exactly what we're up against. Um, we've done windshield surveys over the years, wherein, uh, basically, a, a very skilled, um, uh, a city employee with a lot of experience, drives around, looks at streets, and we, we try to note their condition. We're actually looking at a consultant to help us do that this time around, um, and we'll have a plan to, to address it. Um, it is tough. There is never enough money to meet the need, so we set priorities, and then we try to get out and patch them as we can. Right. And it's, you know, it's never going to be perfect. It's what, never going to be perfect. Well, what, give us a sense. What's the capacity? How many can you do? How many streets can you cover? Potholes can you cover in an average day with your work crew? Or Gosh, crew? You, you know, I couldn't tell you the, the number per day. I can tell you that in that year, that pothole again year, we uh, filled 880-some uh, potholes okay. that season. 
and that happened over the course of probably a month. So um, we're we're knocking them out. Uh, how, how much of the budget is earmarked for that? For like filling potholes, just give us a range. So so the, so, so our streets, you know, our streets budget is in the millions of dollars. But in that millions of dollars, we do. Uh, we do uh, chip sealing and that sort of maintenance. We push snow around. We buy magnesium chloride de-icer. We uh, plow. Um, we take care of sidewalks. So all of that is under the budget. Is in one budget. Sure. And, and so, um, so we're always walking this fine line between having enough money to take care of what we need to take care of on in any given year. Right. And uh, and. And not having too much money in a year when there's no snow, right? Um, right. right, right. So it's again, if if. But you if, don't need us to impress upon you how important this issue is. No, he knows. So, he so yeah. Knows. So the fact, yeah. So the fact of the matter is that. So I get more. I have more conversations about snow clearing and potholes than I have about just about anything other than naked bike rides. Um, <laughs> and. And the fact of the matter is, and, and as, as I impress upon staff, um, the, the the one of the one of the best ways we can restore or lose the trust of our citizens is by not taking care of fundamental stuff. Uh, Mayor Bloomberg had pretty good success in New York City. The biggest bump in the road he ever had was when he couldn't clear snow. Uh, Mayor Greg Nichols of Seattle didn't sure. clear snow one year, and he got bounced. Yeah, sure. um, Mayor of Chicago, we just talked about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. It's important to people. My first day, I lived in Chicago for five years. On my first day in Chicago, I was pulling into my house, and the, somebody asked me if they could help shovel out a spot, and it was the mayor of the city of Chicago at the time, my, uh, Mike Blandick, and the city councilman <laughs> from that district, Danny Davis. They actually shoveled my parking daily. Nice. That's how important that issue was in the city yeah. of Chicago. Oh, it is. Well, look, let's pivot to another question, which is taxes, because people always <laughs> want to talk about... you got all the easy questions to start off with. <laughs> and I heard that as taxis. So this, taxis. Is, not, this is an Uber, Uber we conversation? We enough taxis in no, this but town, too. The one thing you hear a lot from, from folks, especially in social media, the echo chamber, right, of social media is taxes. And they look at the mayor and they're like, okay, are we going to have another tax increase? What is that tax increase going to be? What is it going to cover that we're not covering today? So I want to give you the forum to say, talk about that. Sure. Please. So so as as long as I am mayor, I can almost guarantee you that there will be an annual tax increase because we have contracts with our employees that, um, that commit us to paying them more year over year. So any given year, uh, we're going to need give or take a million more bucks to pay people and that's that's a function of of our labor contracts right that's for exist that's not growing staff that's just Correct. paying your existing Correct. staff yep. the the fair where they're contractually their bound absolutely yeah right. yeah most of what most of what we pay for at the city of Missoula is labor right um and this is very much a people business and the lion's share of our labor force is made up of uh, police officers and firefighters. We are we are we have a, quite an emphasis on public safety. Um, we also employ as as we were discussing earlier. We got folks who are pushing snow around and filling potholes. We've got folks taking care of kids in our parks and our swimming facilities. We've got folks running a wastewater treatment plant. Soon we'll animal have animal control. Animal control. Soon we'll have folks running uh, a water company. Um, and all composting, of that a composting, composting operation, yeah, yeah. All of that, um, all of that requires uh, 
uh, money. Um, I view taxes, and I am a taxpayer. The beauty of local government is I I enjoy the benefits and suffer the consequences of my and council's right. decisions. Right, so I'm I'm with you, um, and there's there's some poetry in that. I think um, I view I view our um, municipal taxes as an investment. Uh, I view all taxes an investment, but sure. but these are an investment in in the the fundamentals of uh, commerce, life, recreation, work, education. You do not you, you don't step out your front door without being impacted by the city of Missoula. Right. So do you personally prefer you know general taxes or do you prefer more like user taxes? For example you know, spot issues would be considered user tax, bed fees, and hotels. Right. So, we, so, so I like a combination, right? So there's there is the, you know, we have we have a social contract around around um, taxation, and that is we all we all need to contribute to the general welfare of our population. That happens in the form of schools and counties and states and municipalities. The challenge with our system is that. Um, in the state of Montana, we don't have a great mechanism for uh, for capturing revenue from folks who get to enjoy our infrastructure, right? Uh, without they, they don't pay for it, right? It's so, and it's largely on the backs of property owners, and that that's the pain and the tension that I hear the most is you know I'm a property taxpayer, everything is on my property taxes. And that's sort of the the nature of the system. I call it a one-legged stool, right? Mm-hmm. So um, municipalities have property taxes to rely on. We do rely to a certain degree on user fees. Um, those are associated with uh, some of our special districts. They're certainly associated with um, with the price of permitting, et cetera. Uh, but the the fact of the matter is that we don't have a, a diverse revenue stream. Um, and so a lot of what we do is about property taxes. Fortunately, we live in a community where I think the lion's share of folks view taxes in, as an investment, right. and they're willing to tax themselves. Those bond issues are clear examples of that, whether it's a school revenue sure. bond or a parks bond. It's a vote. We are on well, listening to What Do You Know with Scott Narnia. Our guest is Mayor John Engen. So let's talk about the mercantile. Last yes. time we were on, it was, uh, we were confident, you were confident that uh, the, the issue was going to be resolved and we were going to get a new, vibrant uh, hotel project downtown, and that's happened. It has come to pass, yeah. So I, I actually had a conversation with uh, uh, Andy Holleran. Uh, We've had on the show before, yeah. the, the developer of that project. Yeah, from home base. Um, Andy continues to be bullish on Missoula. Um, Which we love. Yeah, and as do I. And um, so so it's interesting, as, as things have developed over the course of the last... 18 months or so, um, the Front Street Corridor is sort of the hottest um, stretch of road in Missoula. So we started the Riverfront Triangle property, which is on Front Street right. and, and Broadway. So we're looking at a probably $150 million to $200 million of investment and development there. Hotel and parking and retail and commercial yep. and a, a conference center. Exactly. We right. march. So we march east. Uh, we get to the Mercantile, so that will be redeveloped into a hotel, retail, restaurant. Right. Uh, we go a little bit east of there. We've got a uh, student housing project right. tipping up that'll that'll put you know 
something on the order of 400 souls living downtown. We go uh, a mere block west of there across the street. We've got a 40-some-odd million-dollar library right. um, that we'll be tipping up there. And then we go across the Madison Street Bridge, and we'll look at millions of dollars of new investment in the uh, Doubletree Hotel. We go further down out East Broadway. We've got Missoula College. And then back in the middle, I forgot about the the uh, uh, Holiday Inn, which is also being right. refurbished. So the old sawmill district, yep. of course. So an old sawmill district. So you look at that stretch, and you've got you've got hundreds of millions of dollars of new investment all, in downtown so Missoula, all adjacent to our river, by the way, which is taking advantage of the beauty of the river. Right. Absolutely, which is what most big towns do. So the critics of all of this say Missoula is lo- is going to lose its hometown feel. We are moving away from what makes Missoula great and the you know one of the top ten small towns in America by some people's list. And now we're just going to look like every place else. We're going to have all the same kind of stuff. What's what's your reaction to that? Well, for for one thing, that the the the, the fact that we have a river and that we're developing along the riverfront is a critical difference. There there is nothing generic about the Clark Fork River Valley, right. and the fact of the matter is that. Um, there are lots of places around the country that would do their best to recreate artificially the Clark Fork River Valley. We have a walkable downtown. We have an existing downtown, and it will continue to be funky for a very long time. Um, it will just have more souls supporting it and continuing to make it viable. You know, I grew up in this city when downtown was dead. And um, it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't. It wasn't that long ago. And and frankly, what what makes downtown uh, alive are human beings uh, taking in air and spending money. So we put the old sawmill in. We have condos, and we're going to have student housing there, and we're going to have apartments, and we have mixed use kinds of things going on. And it's going like gangbusters. Every unit that's been built has been sold. You're going to have Riverfront Triangle coming in. You have you have the mercantile. You have all these other things. And we had uh, Don Maddox on a couple of weeks ago, and the average home price in Missoula now is $286,000. That's a mean price. And salaries don't appear to be keeping pace with the cost of, of uh, you know, average housing in town. What are we going to do about that? Are we going to price the typical Missoulian out of living in the town that they love? The typical Missoulian has been priced out of living in Missoula from a home ownership standpoint, for quite a while, um, wages simply don't meet housing prices, and that and why is that? It's a function of inventory. So there, there are two pieces here. One is you got a great place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, you have folks with means from other places who don't have to work or don't have to deal with Missoula's wage, or can deal with Missoula's wage in addition to some equity they bring to bear on a home purchase, and they can make it work. Um, if you know, if you're a young person starting out in Missoula today, you're going to be hard pressed to to make it work without some help. So that's why I hired uh, Aaron Payhan, who is now our director of housing. Um, we are working on a on housing policy, which we haven't had at the city of Missoula, to look at inventory and those opportunities to understand our marketplace and and what's available. Um, it's home ownership is different from. You know, for better or worse, I'm middle-aged, and my interests aren't exactly what a millennial 
person's interests are, right? So, well, more and more millennials are living at home until they're thirty years old now, right. which is a big change from when we were that age. Right. right. We wanted to get the hell out. Right. And more and more people, you know, my age and older, are looking at, you know, we're we're no longer looking at the twenty five hundred square foot rancher on ten thousand square feet. We're looking at how can I have a three bedroom joint that doesn't require me to do a whole bunch right. of work that allows me to travel, but I can still entertain my right. family. Um, so, so housing models are changing a bit. So what we want to do is, is really understand this market and the need and then be really intentional about how we address it. You know, we have resources at the city of Missoula and we have partners in the private sector, um, whether for-profit or non-profit housing developers who are interested in this stuff yeah. and want to make stuff happen. It's such a regional difference. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have uh, relatives and, and family that live in uh, Ohio. Yep. And, uh, you go to a city like Cincinnati, which is a pretty nice Midwest city, and there's a lot of housing stock around 200000 and under yep. that you can live in. And the salaries yes. are higher. Yep. You know, we just have that. But that we're trying to create jobs. We're it. trying to create new jobs. Here we have a number of people trying to do economic development. We've had them as guests. Yep. Sure. Right? But uh, that's not something but that's a snap of the finger. What I see happen, <clears throat> and I haven't been you know, invi- advising on this, what I see is companies start here and then they just fall into the same pattern of paying, the, you know, they ask everybody else what they're paying as wages and they just kind of pay the same wage or maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I think there's nobody in here raising the bar so yeah. to speak. So am I wrong about that John? Well, I th- I think the labor market is the labor market is becoming tighter and we're going to see that that's a trend in Montana and yeah. Missoula in particular. So so here is the combination, Arnie, I think. You've got you've got a really nice place to live. Um you have a lot of people who want to live here. Um you and and you um and at some point, though, you start to lose some of that workforce piece, right? Right. And the, when the labor market is tight, um, those wages necessarily start to start to rise. There becomes pressure there. So that here's here is the marked difference between Missoula and Cincinnati. There has been out migration in Cincinnati. There are there are hundreds of thousands fewer people living in Cincinnati today. And live there at the heyday. Right. Um, that is not the case in Missoula. We grow one and a half to two percent a year, year, year over year. Right. Rain or shine, and and unless we have a housing inventory that starts to keep up with that. Right. Um, and at some point, um, at 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 some point, you know, we're we're going to need we're going to need to have workforce in particular sectors. To support changing demographics, etc. Well, that's part of the reason for putting the investment in Missoula College, right. yeah. which swings me to the university. What is the effect of having decreased enrollment, regardless of what the reason is? Yeah. We have decreased enrollment for six years in a row at the university, yep. and we have a couple thousand less students than we had, you know, in the heyday at, yep. when we peaked. Yep. What effect does that have on the town? It has so so there is a slight chilling effect, is what it is, um, and it, and it it creates some uh, level of. Anxiety, uh, anxiety, doubt, trepidation. So um, I had a conversation um, with a developer a couple of weeks ago who who expressed concerns over you know what what is the long term viability of the University of Montana, and um, I simply I had had lunch with President Stearns last week and I called Sheila and said, can I can I put you together with this developer to have a conversation about your view of the future of the University of Montana and what you're doing to to turn things around and and she with uh out hesitation and with tremendous enthusiasm said absolutely happy to have that conversation because 
things are turning around. Right. We have real opportunities here. So, um, you know, again, I have the advantage of having lived here for a long time and, and the university was a much smaller place when right. I was a kid. Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is, always growing is not always necessarily good, right? Right. And there are peaks and, and, and valleys, and there are changes in what the student appetite is for educational pathways, right? Right. right. So when the oil fields are hot in the Bakken, everybody wants to go become an engineer, right? Exactly. And they don't want to be a philosophy major. Right, right. So there, there, but, but there is some solace in or some satisfaction or confidence in of stability yes right you don't necessarily always have to be growing right but you, you want, want to be stable be right so what i think you're hopefully telling us is that is that the leadership now has a vision on how to put us in a position yep. where we'll be stable and and maybe continue to grow but not necessarily make growth as the only indicator of a healthy university right now you know and i uh, president ingstrom was you know he he he, he set things in motion with regard to turning enrollment around. President Stern's very interested in that. Tom Crady, who's the VP for for recruitment, is all over it. He's a he's a really confident guy, um, and I've I've known President Stern's for a long time. And Sheila is not one to shiny on. Uh, no, exactly. You know, you know, there are other, I mean, there's some good indicators. I, I'm not trying to paint right. as you. You know, that's certainly painting. A doom and gloom scenario. Right. The foundation had one of the biggest year it ever right. had. Right. So people are rallying in support of the university, and yeah. most people do not want to see it, uh, you know, decrease. They right. want to see it grow and prosper and uh, right. and have a, a winning football team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which would be which nice. Is the most important. Thing. You're listening to what do you know with Scott Narnie? Our guest is Mayor John Angen. I want to ask a question. I want to paint a picture for our audience. The mayor looks really good. He looks relaxed. He looks comfortable. He's wearing mala beads. <laughs> okay, I had a Koyan in that. But tell us a little bit about what you went through over the past couple of months, because I think that, you know, as a mayor, you live life in public, and um, people want to know, what sure. was it like? Yeah, so, so yeah, Arnie had suggested I live life under a microscope. Um, it would have to be a really large microscope. <laughs> I, um, I knew he'd come yeah. with a joke. Uh, it, yeah, so so uh, I am an alcoholic, and um, it is... It is um, it's something I've known about myself for a while, but also had some, uh, also had some ability to control it until recently. So I, I quit drinking in the '90s for about a year. I quit drinking in 2010 for six years. Um, I started drinking in May of 2016, and by uh, October. Uh, friends had um, it, it, it had become very clear to others, not necessarily clear to me, that um, you've been drinking. It, turn, it turns out, yeah, it's, it has that effect. <laughs> yeah, it, does. Um, it, it turns out that I had no control over my drinking, and um, and I, for the first time in my life, uh, tried to quit and couldn't uh, on my own. I just couldn't stop. And so, um, what do you, what do you think was was preventing you from doing that? I'm curious what. Uh, so what I learned in treatment for alcoholism over the course of a month is that I, um, like many others of my ilk, um, have a disease. We have a we have a brain that um, that cannot tolerate alcohol and loves alcohol. We have brains that um, that the way my brain operates on pizza. By right. The way. Yeah. Exactly. So I so so the the deal is I have a disease that keeps telling me I don't have a disease. Uh, so, um, so without, 
without treatment, without um, without a program, um, I I am helpless on my own to stop. Sure. And Let me so, ask you this. But the benefit the benefit right. of being a public figure is that people that are in the community can look to him and see how he handled it, maybe identify some of the things that they're struggling with. And yeah, well, how help. have people reacted? I mean, is it, is right. it all been positive? And, and, or are there people saying, you know, this guy you know, doesn't have a sensitivity to the, uh, the, you know, the, the part of this that you've just alluded to and say, he's, you know, he's got, he's, a, he's got a problem. He doesn't need to be mayor anymore. Well, there, there's certainly been some of that. I mean, there are people who view, there are people who view um, alcoholism as a, as a moral failing. Right. Um, it's and, not treated like celiac disease, which right. is, you know, which, which is really an intolerance. Well, that's the first. Or peanut intolerance. Right. Any addiction. Intolerance, everybody's right. pretty sensitive to that. Well, the problem is it's education because everybody dumbs it down to this is a choice. Right. This is a willful choice. It's not a yeah. disease. And that's the right. exact, that's wrong. Yeah. No, yeah. that's wrong. So, th- so this is a disease that kills people, right? Um, right. And they and they die because they cannot stop using. And I am fortunate. Um, I've got now 123 days of sobriety. Right. I I participate in a program every day that right. helps keep me on track. Um, and I I have no ex- expectation of uh compassion or forgiveness because that's not anyone else's job but right. people have been remarkably supportive well, and that's kind that, that's really and good. i've also had people um tell me that that this has helped them seek that's help. right yeah well, that's well, what i was wondering you're a visible figure let me ask yeah. you a question do you feel like in throughout that may through october was your did it ever get in the way of you making decisions your decision making process or your being able to lead it yes, um, I I when when I am drinking alcohol, I am not at the top of my game. I sure. am not I am not as focused as I need to be. I don't work as hard as I need to, and I don't know that I'm not working as hard as I need to or as I'm focused. It's I just Dean Martin sure. syndrome, right? right. You get by, but you're right. right. Yeah, you know, I operate under the function that I am I am Superman, and I drink differently from other alcoholics, and I can handle it. I can't. The mala beads, which are on his right wrist, right? Yep, they're like wary beads, and you, you, what are you? Yep. Put them so, there. so these are these are a gift from a member of my staff. I wear them every day. I am now a bead guy. It's great. Um, I learned to meditate in treatment, and that is part of what I do. It is a technique that allows me some peace. Um, so when I was in treatment, um, I think everyone expected that the mayor of the city of Missoula actually would lead the meditation um, <laughs> ra- rather than have to learn it. But um, but I learned meditation there from uh, from a retired congregational minister, actually. That's nice. Um, I sat with a bunch of folks from all walks of life with addictions, and we learned ways to cope with stress. And so these beads are a great reminder that people love me and that... Um, and, and we do love you. Thank you. We and that you. I can find some peace. So, so let me ask you this. Wait, one I, question know, I know when okay. when you were going through your uh, you know struggles with weight and you had your bypass right. surgery, mm-hmm. that there is a correlation between the effect alcohol has on on someone who has had that gastric bypass and the effect it has on you. Were you aware of that? Were you told that you might have that additional problem? You know, we we didn't we didn't have that conversation and I was a non-drinker at the time. Right. So I don't think anyone I don't think it occurred to anyone that we needed to have that conversation. That, that might have really it, jacked this thing up out you know, not to make excuses, right. you have to take responsibility right. for your own behavior. Yep. But there is all the literature says that you become really alcohol 
intolerant uh, after that kind of surgery. Apparently it happens a lot. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I think he paints a really vivid picture, especially in the Missoulian article, about the, what's going on in his head as he kind of go into May, right? Yeah. And kind of what yeah. led you to, And I, I think people can relate to that. I mean, it's a very relatable story. Is there a reason why you didn't talk about it before you went into treatment, like why you weren't public about that? Um, I know it's a personal thing, so it's a yeah. personal thing, but... Yeah, so so I, I I have talked occasionally about um, depression over the years. Um, I've I've suffered from depression for a long time and have been treated for it. Um, but uh, but I didn't I didn't know I was going to to treatment until I went. Right. Um, I was I was product of an intervention and um, and I didn't want to. I wanted to be back in Missoula to have a conversation about that with folks. Sure. Rather than try to do it. Sure. From a distance. Yeah. By the way. You know, many members of the Democratic Party, which you're a member of now, are, are generally depressed as a result of, of what's happening in Washington. Yeah. So you, there might be some advice you can give to 65 million people who didn't vote for Donald Trump that uh, that they're having to deal with now. Well, exactly. Well, one of the one of the byproducts of that event is that Zinke is leaving his seat or is going to be appointed. Right. And I'm curious to know if Mayor Engen has any aspirations to have a higher office other than mayor. Uh, yeah, so here is my theory. I'm not sure that there is a higher office than mayor of the city of Missoula. He's so, and, he's so suave. I know. But, but, the reason, so suave. but there's a reason I say that. And and it is, um, so there are a couple of things at play. Is One is every day I get to make a difference. So I wake up in the morning. My mantra is my job is to make lives better. And I work with 500 souls at the city of Missoula and countless other citizens to do that every day. And one way or another, every day, somebody's life is changed for the better right. by virtue of the work of the city of Missoula. And if you're, if you're one of, you know, mm-hmm. nearly 500 kicking around Congress and begging for money over a two year cycle in this environment, what do you get done? What are you able to accomplish? And I admire folks who want to do that work. I think it's terrific. Uh, here's the other thing. I don't think I play in. I don't think I play in Billings. I don't think I play in. Right. I mean, you have you know, to be a realist about right, know, what the possibilities. Right. Are. I mean, I don't. I I will tell you that this myth that you that no Democrat from Missoula can ever get elected to statewide office is a crock. Right. Um, yeah, I agree you, with you. you on that. The the fact of the matter is, if you have if you have a solid viable candidate who has good ideas, a great work ethic, experience, and uh, some marginal degree of charisma. You can get elected all day long because people long for leadership. And in many cases, there are Democrats who would vote for a really good moderate Republican. And we've seen that in this state. And I think it goes the other way. Well, you know, for better or worse, putting aside what we all feel about uh, the current president of the United States, if you would have told somebody earlier, uh, a billionaire from New York City is going to be president of the United States who had never held a public office, you would say that's not possible. Right, yeah. just like people say, somebody from Missoula could never be elected. Well, but sure enough, I, I it happened. I said it wasn't possible. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, Mayor Mike, he was elected, so sure. there it was. Yeah. Well, so let me switch gears. A completely different. You know, we talk about your public role. We've talked a little bit about your private struggles, but let's talk about a part of John Engen that maybe people don't know that would be interesting to know. For example, do you have a favorite TV series that you watch? Yeah, so so um, I have a I have an unfortunate um, addiction. Uh, yeah, I like I like TV a lot. Yeah. Um, See, I did not know that. Yeah, and the and and the um, and the advent of of streaming oh. has has turned me into um, 
I, I, so, so interestingly, um, I have far less time uh, since returning from treatment than I had before, oddly enough, and not sure what that's all about. But um, so, so I typically um, a day at the office starts. You know, depending on the day, it 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 can start at nine or ten. Um, uh, but I'm usually up by seven thirty or so and looking at email and pondering life's larger issues. Um, and I'm usually I'm usually home by about nine fifteen or so. And at that point, I will I will typically settle down on the couch. So I've been watching. So I watched a Netflix series called The Crown, right? Um, which I found fascinating yes. um, because it was history and a little costume drama. Um, so it had everything a fella could need. Um, so that was really interesting. I like science fiction a lot. Um, and there's a ton of interesting science fiction stuff that's on Netflix currently. I also like comedies. I've been watching, I've been streaming last man on earth, which is yeah, that's kind of funny. absurd <laughs> yeah, and, and funny. Um, and the, the renaissance of Saturday night live, yeah. uh, no, you can't, now you force yourself to stay up to watch it. Yeah. And well, it's, it's, so the beauty is it's on Hulu. So I, so I can watch Melissa McCarthy on that. <laughs> a spicer. Whenever you <laughs> want. Be, being, being spicy all day long with the, with the rolling lectern. I've um, got two recommendations to both of you. <laughs> yes. Pete Holmes in Crashing on HBO. Okay. Just bowed two right. weeks ago. Great show. Been and watching Westworld on HBO. What do you yes. think of that? I think it's we very cool. We had writers. a writer in here. We had yeah. one of the writers on. Oh, very cool. Westworld. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting series. And yeah. then Zach Galifianakis has Baskets on FX. Have you been watching really? it? No, I have not. Oh, you, boys. Yeah. You, know, you so need to, you like comedy. Time, yeah. People, you know, that are my friends and say, there's so much product out yes. there now. It's amazing. That, uh, you, Word of mouth. Ten years ago. You, you couldn't be you couldn't be caught off guard, right? Right. You, right. You, maybe you wouldn't be watching it, but you knew of it. Right. I'm approached almost daily where someone says, "Are you watching Suits? Or are you watching?" Right. And I have no idea what they're talking about. You recommended uh, Public Morals, and I'm all over that, yeah, but it's not back yet. No, I know it's not back yet. But but because Hulu and Amazon yeah. has their own series, yep. and Netflix has their yep. own series, and all of the network and cable TV yep. shows like TNT have their yep. own series. There's just so much product There's out too there. too much. That, yeah, there is really too let much. Me, let me take it back to a serious note. I have a list of questions I want to ask. Okay. Okay, I'm going to move us away from TV back to... Oh, no, let's stay with TV. But let's talk about the KECI piece that ran recently. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Talk about that, John, because I think that it, it didn't paint necessarily a rosy picture, a good picture for any any of the different municipalities or cities. So sure. tell, tell our listeners what the piece uh, generally said. Oh, God, Arnie, I forget. But I think it was about credit card spending and access to credit cards for public employees mm-hmm. and that what they were what the dollars were being spent on and what's the oversight what's the checks and balances sure um so i think it would be um i i think that um any news outlet would um would have a blast if they just went through every po that we had right because you'll you'll find that cities buy a lot of stuff that seems pretty funky and if you don't put any of it in context um you're you're gonna scratch your head a little bit um, that story, this is pure speculation on my part. That story looks like a beautiful boilerplate consultant story idea for Sweeps Week. Um, and I would, I would guess that around the country, the, the, 
there are consultants who say, all right, so here's what you need to do for sweeps. <laughs> you go, you That's ask. formula. Yeah, yeah. You, you ask for every credit card bill. And um, point and, out things that yep, seem. Yep, and point out things that seem goofy. And I guarantee you'll find something that's goofy, and you'll find it in every min- municipality. Um, I am always happy to look at our processes. I'm always happy to look at what we're doing. Um, if there's anything that is actually untoward, we certainly deal right. with that, and we've dealt with that stuff over the years. We've abused. You know, right. There are there are human beings in this organization, and sometimes they're doing the wrong thing. In this case, we there there is nothing that has risen to the level of of giving me concern. But if it's presented in a particular way, and and I have I'm 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 being very careful here because I actually believe in the fourth estate. I believe that that journalism and the press have a role in providing a check and balance here. Um, I was a journalist. Um, I worked for a newspaper for a long she time. Did. And so here is here is my concern. That's and how that, I found out about Ludafish. You were, exactly, you were right? Right, right. Yeah. So, I, you know, I did the, I did the hard-hitting stuff. Yeah, you, um, you were but, right on top yeah, of it, the but, breaking news. Hey, you need that, those checks and balances. Yeah, but we but we also have a fundamental we, – we have a fundamental responsibility to, to try to avoid gotcha stuff and try to put things in context around this and some of this is just well it also falls into this whole era now of you know what's now referred to as fake news yeah but there's always been you know they used to call muck raking right journalism sure yeah i was once the i i was once uh, nominated to be the crime commissioner for the state of new hampshire <laughs> and i went up there met with the governor yeah. and he basically said uh, you know we're going to uh Appoint uh, you. We have to have the. Uh, we have to go through approval process. But you're my guy, and I'm nominated to be crime commissioner. And I woke up uh, the next morning, and the Manchester Union Leader, a very famous newspaper, which went after Hanoi Jane Fonda, sure, right. you know, and went after uh, Ed Muskie about him crying. You know, I picked up and there was a red banner across the front of the Manchester Sunday paper said, "Who is Arnie Sherman?" Wow! <laughs> and they did a whole column, and they. It was just mostly made-up stuff. He says he's this, but I've talked to you know, our sources tell us it's not exactly true. And, yeah. You know, I mean, anybody can, can take right. the situation and paint it one way or another. Yeah. We're just seeing that in the extreme. Depends on what your angle yeah. is. In the extreme now with yeah. this whole, f- yeah. when Breitbart is considered real news. Right. New York Times yeah. and Washington Post is considered fake news. Right. And and so, so with regard to the KECI story, um, we are utterly transparent. There's no piece of there's no piece of business that you can't have and and scrutinize if you want to. And we're going to do that. We're going to provide that information. We'll do our best to provide context. We, um, as as much as um, it's been suggested over the years that I control the Missoulian or I control the TV station or the radio station or whatever, I don't. You do? Yeah, no. yeah. You, I got, you don't control over us as yeah, you can I, I got none of that. Hey, our guest is Mayor John Angan. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, presented proudly by Don Maddox Glacier Sotheby's International Realty. Let's keep going. I got. I have a, a, a related topic, but an important one. It's been in the news here and nationally. What's the situation? What's the city's position on refugees? So here is. Um, so I had a great. I had a great experience today. I was at the. I was at the uh, Margaret Johnson Theater at Sentinel High School. Right. Um, and I'll just give a little shout out to Margaret Johnson, who was the theater teacher at Sentinel for many years. I was a Hellgate kid, but Margaret was fabulous, and I, I got to know her a little bit. Um, anyway, uh, there are. Probably a hundred kids in the hall, and one of the young men said, "So, what do you think about refugees?" I love the fact that a high school student in Missoula, Montana, would ask me about that, refugees. Right. right? So, 
uh, short version is I am the grandson of immigrants, and um, and my people were not my people were not refugees. Refugees, by definition, are not welcome in the place they are. They they need refuge from right. the place they are because um, they have been persecuted in one way or another, whether that's about race or religion or you name it. Um, and so. So is this a country, is this a nation where we welcome folks who need help and, and, uh, and those folks over time enrich our culture and strengthen our nation? Or do we build walls and say no and turn our backs on what we have done for low these many years with regard to immigration? That is, uh, welcome folks who need our help to our shores in the same way that our Friends and neighbors around the globe are doing that work as well. Do we do we acknowledge our fair share, and that we have a role to play in in uh, being a global partner, um, or do we say hell no? Uh, the rhetoric around this is has been has been fascinating, and um, and for me, the short version is um, we have Missoula, Montana, owes the world. Um, uh, uh, an obligation to take care of people, and and we can do that without taking. Nobody has to. Nobody has to suffer who's already here. These are you know taking care of our own and and taking in refugees is not mutually exclusive. Um, we can do both, and we can do both. I think proudly and, and protect the, the community. Absolutely, and you you want to see a grateful American. You, you, refugee, you, refugee. you talk to somebody who came right. to this country well, well, with the, the, nothing, the, the and you will issue, find better patriots than, right, than right. people who they were born and reared here. Right there. I mean, all, yeah. th- this is not a logical argument. This is nope. an emotional, emotional argument. Absolutely. People. Yeah. I mean, there is extreme vetting. If you followed, we had an immigration attorney on, on right. the show a month back. Yep. These people are waiting two years. They've been screened by 16 you know, um, um, police authorities from Interpol to the FBI, right. you know, yep. on and on and on. They've gone through so many vets. Yep. You know, the administrations, you know, the White House couldn't pass the vetting process that those, that refugees are being subjected to. Right. But, Good point. But a lot of people who are opposed to, you know, the, this, this fear-mongering that they're going to come in here and they're all ISIS members and they're going to destroy a, you know, a town or kill people has overcome the logic of, of the situation. Well, let's ask a related question, okay? So you hear Trump talking about the press as the enemy of the people. And you're a journalist, and you're a public figure. What's your point of view on that? How, how, how is it that, how is it that the, dissemination, the dissemination of facts and information and even opinion and and even thoughtful opinion that might be coincidentally fact based um how how is how is it how is right. that how is that bad for the health of a nation how how is being able to have intelligent discussions um opportunity for dissent or assent um how, how is that a bad thing how is how is how is KECI asking me about credit cards Regardless of the outcome, a bad thing for democracy because we at least get to talk about it, right? Right. right. How is how is the how is the Missoulian asking where the hell is the mayor for a month? A bad thing, right? Right. How and and how how is how is the Washington Post asking Donald Trump how he's going to divest himself from his businesses so as not to have conflicts of interest right. while he is president of the United States? How is that a bad thing? It's not. 
it's just it's simply not without those checks we are a lot of places that we were very afraid of for a very long time there was a republican president i remember him his name was ronald reagan and he was dead set against a soviet bloc that was all about all about quashing the press all about controlling information all about stifling freedom of speech that's what the republicans at that time were all about liberty was about being able to talk about this right. stuff. R- liberty was about being able to push back against your government, which could be oppressive. Well, this this dude wants it both ways. Can't have it both ways. What do you think he's trying to do? Why? I think he is, so again, having never met Donald Trump but and trying to give him every benefit of the doubt and respecting the fact that he is the president of the United States, you got to have a thick skin in this line of work. That's all there is to it, whether you're mayor of the city of Missoula or president of the United States. I mean, guess whether you like him or not, I think no one would disagree. And guess that what? He doesn't have a thick skin. And this isn't all about him, nor is it all about me. We are. Uh, he is a steward in the same way I am a steward, and I am responsible and accountable to the people I serve, sure. whether they voted for me or not. And the again, the fact of the matter is that this has this this office has to be less about him and more about us. That's Good point. Exactly right, Arnie. Um, we can, we're going to wrap it up, but I like having Mayor Rangan in. I like this. We and I a think, break or we, no, 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 we're going to, we we're going to wrap going. it up because I, we kept going, but we have like two minutes left, but I, wow. I like having the mayor on. I think we should have the mayor on, on more frequently because I think this we're kind of dialogue, paying him if we have no, him. well, listen, we're getting into a political year, so we got to be careful, that. but we have to, <laughs> but you know what? John, I like having you in because I think that these are questions that people are asking and I think having a dialogue is good. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the newspaper, the TV, the radio, I think it's just a good thing to have. So we should, try, we should figure out yes. other ways to continue that. We would have the state maybe you can have a guest city, in with him. The State of the City report on a regular basis with me. Or we'll have him come in and talk with another Last guest. before we leave. <laughs> Why isn't our footbridge being oh, the footbridge? the bridge, right. On reserve. The, the one on reserve? Yeah. Because it's not done yet. Yeah. So Who's funding it, by the way, that's a big question. Yeah, Where's so, it being funded? From? So that's fr- funded by um, tax increment from the Missoula Redevelopment Agency, right? So there are no new taxes that have gone into that. Um, these are these are tax receipts that are generated um, through growth in this district. So so Cabela's, uh, you know, the the, uh, the, the, the yeah, yeah. The, the development at South Crossing there is a product of a public-private partnership with the Woodbury Group, that that new development there generated new tax revenue that we can then use to do public improvements like this bridge. Right. So the, the, the reason the bridge isn't open is because some of the panels came back. They're, they're right. needed panels. They, can't, they weren't right. So we sent them back. And, We're waiting for them. Yeah. Do we have an estimated time? We think? You know, I think, I think, I think we're going to try to cut a ribbon in April. Great. We'll be there for that ribbon cutting. Cool. Sure, it's... Okay. it's yeah, years from now, people are going to look at that and wonder why we didn't build it a long time ago. Right. Any final messages you want to share with the audience? No, you know, I love this community. I am grateful to serve as mayor of the city of Missoula, and thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's always enlightening, and it's always interesting, and always leaves us wanting more. So Fantastic. Thank you, Mayor Engen. Thank, thank you. you. Arnie, I'll see you next week. See you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO. 
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.